<laughs> yeah, there he is. Spyro, he's got this. <laughs> Spyro is our guest. Dude, oh, that's where our eye came from. I didn't realize. Spyro. <laughs> it's the purple eye of Spyro. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. I have to that game. So, welcome to Zero Podcast, episode 108. We have Aaron Dowen from Catalyst Comic Studio. <clears throat> What's up? Oh, yay! Sorry. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to cut out the coffee, and um, it's really hitting the energy side. I was about uh, to say, I feel bad for you. Yeah, <laughs> just sipping coffee. I don't. I could live without coffee. man. This water is delicious. water. It's man. It's so good. It really you helps. Put me on uh, it. So much energy. <laughs> I can't in this one because it's got a filter in it. Oh, brutal. Yeah, that's bad. It's like oh, somebody sure. put that in your way. Don't you usually go to Duncan or whatever anyway? Because like you're like recording your podcast. And well, and America runs on coffee right now. <laughs> yeah, I run on Duncan. Um, I have for years. Yeah, uh, I run on Duncan whenever my girlfriend just gives me it for free. I've I don't think I've ever had to pay for coffee. White privilege. So yeah. hopefully your boss doesn't watch this. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So. What's going on? You? Nothing, man. Nothing. I've been doing a lot of interviews lately. It's been weird. Yeah, you're. You get. You guys are the first interviews that I've been on. The it's people I know. So yeah. in a long time. <laughs> yeah, you've been on cool. shows that you just never been on before, which yeah, probably do that for mittens. But yeah, yeah. Aside, aside from us, which which one was the coolest one? Uh, the the one yet. Yeah. Well, um. The one I did yesterday was really fun. Um, oh, my gosh. All right. So Keeping It Geekly was the one I did yesterday. What was fun about that is he actually was a really good host, and I guess he normally Twitch streams gaming. Um, and he didn't realize that I was the one singing and playing guitar in the Tilt trailer. So just that moment when he realized it was me was hilarious, and that's one of the funniest things that's happened on a podcast. Um, but as far as most fun, uh, Super Geeked Up was the most fun because they do theirs like a game show. Um, so they, they play like a bunch of different games and have questions and stuff while you're on it. It's, it's a long show though. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's like, uh, what was it? Joe Valen has, uh, he has like more like a regular podcast and kind of ends it with a game, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Oh yeah. He doesn't do that podcast anymore, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. It's like D and D basically. And he's, he rolls dice and then he's just like, okay, what are you going to do? And then me and Dylan are like, uh, go to the store. Like I'm going to steal his shoes. And then, it's like, <laughs> uh, oh, so you're, you're chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> the worst kind of people to play with. It's fun. You gotta, you gotta have somebody that keeps the game interesting. Cause you're like, here's the normal plot line. And <laughs> just like, <laughs> I'm like, I've never played D and D. I haven't either. But yeah, I saw that. So yeah. you have that character, but you're like, I played that. Yeah, I've never I've, played that at all. But. I have his character sheet. I've had it for a long time. I've never played, but I listen to like four or five, you know, three, four or five different podcasts that are all D and D. That's funny. Yeah, I've never played either. My cousin just, uh, I think he was playing online for a while, so then he would like come down and like tell me, you know, oh yeah, these are like some of the stuff happened. I'm like, yeah, I would, I would love to get a good group <laughs> together with a good DM and just record it and use it as content. Yeah. That's the dream. Just like Chris uh, Salaw. I can't say his last name. Um, yeah. Crit. Yeah. You, yeah. you know that, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> He's talking about that nonstop on like Indie Comics Dispatch or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. 
So you have Tilt coming out on Kickstarter. Is it like June or whatever? June 15th. Yep. Yeah, I knew it was like the 15th. Closing out a story arc. Sweet. Feels yeah, surreal. that's what I was actually... Like, if I, I, I put out multiple different comics at like not one time, but like throughout a year. And I was going to put out like the second issue of Scales, but at the same time, I kind of want to like finish Ink. So I don't... Uh, which one I want to really do. We're trying to dedicate ourselves to finishing storylines before we move on to other stuff. Yeah, like one um, has like two more, I guess. Yeah, yeah. so that's the next focus after Tilt is to get one last job three and four done. But uh, that doesn't stop me from just being like, but, Matt, what about this idea? What about what this about? idea, though? Um, but now I'm working on stuff that's probably going to be outside of Catalyst, so um, it, it's going to be different and fun. keeps me entertained. I mean, yeah. you know, you write this stuff forever ago and you're just sitting around, around waiting until you can get it out. Like tilt one through four, I wrote those in 2017 and I've just been waiting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, that's like, that's like Greg. He's got all his stuff written before, before we started the company in 2017. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And it gets annoying, but like at the same time, you understand it takes time, but yeah. then it's just like tilt in particular, it was supposed to come out last year. And so now we're just, we're kind of already over it and past it. And we're like, God, we still got to do this freaking campaign for a book that we're not that we're not excited, but we're not as excited as we would have been last year. We're kind of uh, yeah. tired and ready to do other stuff. It's kind of like an artist after they've recorded their song and they wait like a year for it to release. And they're like, Oh, I'm already bored, but like no one's heard it yet. The, the, yeah. every, everyone else is brand new. And you're like, so over this <laughs> and then they have to continue to play that song every night on tour <laughs> i was, I was gonna say i can't imagine the yeah the ones that go on big mega tours and they're like yeah. oh i get to play my favorite song yep <laughs> like like there's art there's writers that are always just like oh but wait for like issue six and like we're on three but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Well, this and, is like, um, and um, I'm, I'm like that. I'm like, oh, well, wait until this issue. Like, issue four is pretty cool, but like, we still have to do the third one for Sierra <laughs> But issue four is like Quentin Tarantino style. And I'm just what, like, uh, oh. how many issue story arcs are you doing? Uh, you'll probably be like, oh, why? Um, so the first plot arc, but it's wait, wait, start from the big one. There's like the, there was a huge plot arc, and that gets broken into three. Right, so the first of that he's referring to. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So, for Seer Chronicles, what he said, but there is one plot arc that there's like the subplot arc, and mm -hmm. that is like kind of the main subplot that we're kind of going with because we were focusing on this one character that I was trying to kill off in the beginning, and then Dylan's like, he's more interesting now. <laughs> More interesting than the actual person in real life. Dang, so, why don't you turn that blade? Yeah. <laughs> so instead, he's going to be around for a while. But um, issue four kind of like ends his little thing. Mm -hmm. And then issue five and six is going to show more of our like Joker kind of character. Mm -hmm. And then his thing will end. So issue six will be like the end of those guys. So then the main plot can like be the focus. Yeah. From seven to twelve. Yeah, so there's twelve issues of that, and then the second. The, there's well, twelve no, issues I mean, of the first main plot arc, right? Yeah. So yeah. basically, it's 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 basically like season one and season two, mm -hmm. where like a plot arc ends, but the overall plot arc continues to the end of this. But yeah. then that's the first right. of a trilogy. Well, it's yeah, like um, it's like um, yeah, I'm gonna go real real nerd reference here, but it's like with Doctor Who stuff, where like there's a there's a season wide arc, 
And then when that doctor's coming to an end, there's like, a, oh, this has been going on for three seasons. And then it all ties together. Oh, yeah. yeah, I get that. But you just said, you know, this uh, one character's focus kind of ends at four and then you got five and six and then you're going to continue with the story. So um, I don't know. I, just, I you like to ask people what they're breaking down. I saw yeah, a so lot of posts the other day on um, people talking about how long a story arcs they think are um, successful and how long uh, they recommend. And guess what? There's no consensus. <laughs> I, I, the, the one that I've seen is that, like, other than, like, huge plot arcs that you could go on forever with, um, to have, like, a satisfactory, or satisfactory, like, conclusion so you feel good about it. Like, even, like, the, the main, like, you know, uh, the MCU. Like, there's certain plot stories that end after a, a certain number of movies. But yeah. for, for comic books, I, I, the one that number I kept coming across was six. Like, six is a solid mm -hmm. number to finish something big, even yeah. if it's not the big thing. I mean, the problem with the big companies though, is it's it's six in that one particular story, but there's like, you know, 25 other comic book issues that tie into that story. Um, but that's, that's kind of what, what we're doing. <laughs> well, but that's what I'm saying is that's what I was looking at. Like uh, for DC, anytime they do something, there's like, if you want to get the full story, it's like 30 issues. Um, and it, I, I guess it makes sense to an extent, but it's also a lot to ask people to um, yeah. come on. Well, I was going to say, think about the MCU. They got their their shows. They've got their movies, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, some of them, uh, I, I remember hearing, uh, was it Chris Feige, the guy? Yep. Yeah. He, he, he admitted that because Thor was in Fortnite, that technically Fortnite's part of the multiverse. Like, so, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's ridiculous. But the, the idea that... You know, there are people that watch all of that stuff religiously, yep. and it's like there's a reason because it's like you want to be so fully immersed in that world. So, like, for us, we have, like, our main plot line, but then we have our solo series, Ink and Scales, and yep. each of them might have, like, a six-story plot line and end, right? right. I, I think some of them will probably keep going, but, like, some could be six, and then it's done, and maybe it's, like, uh, what's it called? Uh, damn, the good anime, one season. Cowboy Bebop, there it is. I was like, you know, where it literally it has a great series and then it ends, and, and like that's what made it great. Yeah. Oh, is he frozen? I just noticed that. Right okay, yeah. sorry, I'm back. Oh, he's back. Yeah, he is. Did you hear that? <laughs> All I said was something. I heard you say something about anime. Oh, immediately. oh I was saying uh, cowboy. Yeah, cowboy Bebop. I was saying because it's like oh. the, it's the the it has one season beginning to end amazing storyline and then it's done there's nothing else right so like I, that that's kind of i think that's cool to do if you have something as big as like an mcu or a universe you want to build out to do that with side characters that people love but then just they're done and that's it and they kind of like go on and i think that that's yeah. like a cool idea yeah i like doing the i, I like the idea of um uh stuff I, I like the idea of miniseries now a lot more than i used to um, especially stuff like One Last Job, like, no, that it's freaking done after four. Um, but then it's like, is there other stuff to tell? And honestly, my mom is the one that gave me an idea the other day because she was looking at the Tedeschi private flights thing. And she was like, so you're going to do a story that's there you go. Uh, she was like, so you're going to do a story that's about the spy um, airline. I was like, I wasn't, but I'm probably going to because I was like, that's a good idea. <laughs> so. Um, I might do like a one or two uh, issue thing with just uh, Tedeschi's. Um, that, that's very cool. Because like yeah. one of the things that um, Greg and I, I, it was after we talked with um, Ed Jowett, um, basically 
we were going to be writing all of our comics essentially from like an origin forward. Mm -hmm. And then we realized that there's too much to tell in order to do that. And so the, the better route would actually be to kind of showcase like the cool stuff going on. Yeah. So we kind of made a jump in our stories. Yep. And the cool thing about that is that means that we now, when we finish the series, if people do want more, we don't have to bring like a dead character back to life. If that's, if they die, we can just do an origin story and then still have a, an, a, an end point, right? Where like freaking green arrows on that island for 47 years, right? right? We can actually make it where it's just one story arc and then it ends. But you still get like a little extra sample and now the story's fully complete. Well, it's so actually like, what I'm utilizing the prose short stories that we do as um, like with the next campaign, I have two, one's going to be Sprocket and one's going to be Exquisite. Because um, Exquisite, when we meet him, you don't really learn a whole lot about him, like his past. So uh, the short story is, or the flash fiction is going to be um, when he was about 13. And it's kind of like him going to the park and uh, he uses a lot of chess references. So him going to the park and how all that stuff kind of developed. Um, and then Sprockets will be something from before she meets Patrick. Um, but I, I like being able to utilize prose as well. And um, I noticed on our One Last Job 2 campaign um, that people kind of jumped up to uh, get that extra content because I did a thing where it was a T-shirt add-on. And if you did the T-shirt add-on, you got a copy of the Flash Fiction story from Beth. And if you didn't, you didn't get it. So um, I noticed a lot of people that day were like, okay, well, they grabbed a t-shirt and they knew that they were going to get that copy of that um, for a secondary character. That's cool. That's just more world building stuff, but it's still exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. <clears throat> yeah. For Chronicles of Horror, um, it's the anthology, but for the first two campaigns, Matt has been like having like short story, like novel things. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that he sent out the new one. <laughs> I don't know if it's out yet or whatever. So. Oh, he was doing fulfillment. Uh, for that, I, okay. I fulfilled everything else. So yeah, um, it's good to actually fill a Kickstarter when it's actually supposed to be fulfilled. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I screwed up our I last one, and that's why we missed ours. One yeah, I was doing that <laughs> one time, and I'm never doing that again. No, yeah, that's yeah. I was like, wait, so these people get. Seer Chronicles, but they also backed Chronicles of Horror. Okay, so they get all of this. <laughs> yeah, I think that was like probably the only positive was that some of the people who had been waiting for our other one ended up getting like a giant package of stuff right. as opposed to yeah. So if anything, it's like hopefully that that was enough to make people feel like oh, finally I got everything and it's all in like a big package. Like you know, if anything, like it's kind of funny because even I haven't had much of our comics because they get shipped to Greg and Greg sends them out because I'm in Nashville. I haven't been able to get them, and uh, I was supposed to grab them for uh, them the holidays. Package, Greg. Oh, he did. Oh no, he finally okay. did. So I have like this. I have a. I got this huge package. Um, as I stand up and show my waistline, so yeah, uh, <laughs> I got a, the huge package, and all of a sudden I'm like, bam! There's all the. There's all go. the comics, yeah. But, you know, as a creator, sometimes you get screwed over and you don't think about that. And, like, I was I was sitting here the other day thinking, I don't have physical copies of the short stories that I put. <laughs> that I, You know, a bunch of other people have them, and I don't even have copies for myself. I, I try to order enough so I at least get one. <laughs> I, I forget every time. Uh, well, because with the short stories, you know, I, I have Amazon that ships them to me and then I ship them out. But I'm only ever like, all right, well, I'll just get uh, enough copies to fulfill this. And I was like, oh, I never did get myself one of them. 
It's like, damn it, I could have just hit plus one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. Um, cool. So, uh, Moon Knight. Well, Dylan probably didn't see that yet, so I can't really talk about that. <laughs> but I have not seen it yet. You wrote about Moon Knight on your Substack, which you have. Mm-hmm. And I didn't completely read it, but I watched Moon Knight. So, oh, obviously, internet. Yep. Continue. And so, obviously, I kind of know what you wrote about whole disorder thing so yeah it's a it's just a one of the things i liked about always have liked about moon knight is that they used um something that is a real severe um mental issue and they used that as a basis for a character that was like their version of batman yeah which is that's to me that's just genius um and they did it they executed it really well in the show um i know people have qualms with everything that's ever released that's anything nerdy um and I'll be honest, even the sixth uh, six issue, six episode of Moon Knight, I'm not a big fan on how they ended. I'm not a big fan on that episode. Um, but episode five, I think that's the one I called out in Substack, um, was one of the most interesting displays of that condition. And uh, seeing one person play that on both sides of it was, I, I think that was really um, awesome. Hopefully it helped people kind of understand that that's kind of similar to what actually goes on. Uh, not everyone has a physical tell when they um, change personalities. Um, there's a small percentage that have that, which makes it even more complicated. Um, but that same thing that they did where they're just sitting there having an interview with one of them and then it switches to the other one, that's normal for uh, people with split personalities. Yeah, I was actually watching something, but it was like creepy. It wasn't like Marvel. <laughs> um, yeah. It was like some, it wasn't a series killer. I think she was just like a killer or something. And uh, it was on HBO. Mm-hmm. And it was about like uh, I can't say that word right now. It's not bipolar. What is it? Dis uh, dissociative identity that. disorder. And she's like talking, but I think when she was like, I think she's older, and then there was like this teenager that was in her house or something mm-hmm. that was like the boyfriend of the girlfriend of her daughter. That sounded weird. I could have probably said that better. Her and, daughter's uh, boyfriend. The daughter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> like. I think the daughter died or something and but they brought in the boyfriend and the mom brought in like some guy some girl into the house for some reason mm-hmm. and then the guy killed her but the lady was getting interviewed like the mom was getting interviewed and then she was acting as the guy she's like oh, oh no, this yeah. is billy now i'm like yep. what <laughs> yeah so that's like, so weird but in Moon Knight, I like Steven just because, Mark, you're not going to fucking do it. Don't kill right. him. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting disorder to have portrayed. And a lot of people have more than that as far as their you know multiple personalities. Um, when I started college, well, before I started college, I took some college courses when I was like 16 or something. Um, and it was psychology. And uh, I thought that's the path that I was going to go down was to become a psychologist. And that was the thing that got me into it was um, the the first book I read was it's called My Life as a Multiple. Um, <laughs> and it's uh, about a doctor. Um, he's a doctor now, but he was sick for years and years and just never knew why. Since he was a kid, just always sick. He thought it was like allergies and sinuses and stuff. Um, eventually, it came around that he realized that there's a problem and went to a psychiatrist and um, he started exhibiting other personalities. And uh, he had no idea that he had them. And so he started doing therapy and there was uh, 27 different personalities. 
Oh, I've heard about that one because that that was like a that was like a big case, wasn't it? Because like that's probably one of the most that anyone's yeah, ever had. Yeah, I, I think the most so far is like thirty two or something. It was a it was a woman that had them, um, and and so it triggers from traumatic experiences like a lot of sexual abuse and things like that. And that's what he was writing about was what led him to become a doctor was you know realizing that he had this problem, and um, and then he talks about the different instances because as he was doing therapy, he was having to reflect back and actually remember the things that happened that triggered it that he had you know. Because what you're doing is compartmentalizing and pushing it away and it becomes its own person because you say, you know, this kind of thing can't happen to me um, and it becomes its own person. And and they're all different. One of them, I think his name was Spike. He uh, he was uh, like a young boy and he was very like violent and he had brought uh, when he was taken over, he brought him out back and like hit his hand with a hammer, but like switched back to the main guy's personality while he was hitting his hand so that the main guy would have to feel the pain. Um, I, I think that they made like either a documentary or something about this. Cause like everything you're describing, even the name spike, like I remember all this and I've yeah I've not read about it before. Like, I'm yeah, pretty sure like I watched something about this. I'm sure because I mean, the dude's a, a doctor now and a psychiatrist and I'm sure that they've had to adapt that, but it was one of the most fascinating stories. And like I said, it was like one of the first books I read when I got into psychology and it made an impact just to think about um, people actually having to deal with that kind of stuff. Yeah, I like that movie uh, Split because yeah, yeah, he had like twenty three personalities. Yeah, and they used twenty three and me. (laughs) Yeah, twenty three and me. And then twenty four was the Beast, whatever. Yeah, yeah, which made it a little supernatural, but I mean, so did Midnight. Shyamalan, Ding Dong. Yep. I don't really like him as a director for most movies. Um, I only like that movie. Glass is good and Unbreakable, but I don't like. most of the things that he makes. Is, I yeah, I, I've only seen a handful of them. Signs um, is terrible. I don't know why people now someone's gonna not like signs. It. Yeah, I don't. Like yeah, I mean, it's but you got to think about the, when that stuff came out. Like when signs came out, it was uh, it was like oh, you know, X Files. So <laughs> yeah, people dug it at the time, and then later on, you look back at it and you're like, that wasn't great. I was gonna say, I feel like a lot of those movies are kind of like the the mo- like uh, those movies that people shit on later, but like they liked them when they were a kid. They just like look at it in retrospect. But like, yeah, you know, even like the old Godzilla movies. Watch your Godzilla movies from like the sixties. Like, <laughs> really, like anything you give it funny. enough years and yeah. you go back and watch it, and you're like, this isn't great. Like for me, like the Goonies. If I go back and watch the Goonies now, I'm like, eh, it's not as funny as I remember. Well, although I watched Hook the other day. Hook's still that, awesome. That is still an amazing movie. It yeah, made me miss cool. Rob Williams a lot. Like that was that was really like you know honestly like mental health stuff. Like Rob Williams, like that was such a great movie. And I watched it. Um, I think it was on Netflix. They had it for like a limited window, mm-hmm. and so I ended up watching it. And yeah, I haven't seen that movie in probably like a decade. And I'm like, oh, that yeah. is, is exactly as great as I remember that movie. Like that is yeah, such a great movie. One of the advantages to having a um a a little girl that's going to on five is like going back and like how about we watch the Robin Hood where he's a fox because I'm like dude this was my jam as a kid Uh, and to this day still one of my favorites (laughs) exactly Um, but yeah going back through movies with her or um, even like the newer ones like everyone didn't talk about Raya and the Last Dragon dude that movie was freaking great I've watched it like eight or nine times on Disney Plus you can watch it I just Uh, never I, I just remember that was a DreamWorks How to Train Your Dragon. I love that movie. Like that's that is a, a good series. That is a I know, but like that first one, like mm-hmm. that is such a great movie. 
And like, I feel like that doesn't happen much more like anymore. Like that yeah. was so perfectly done. Well, like, I think what happened with Raya was um, I didn't realize it until I watched the credits all the way through that there was a, a little thing that came up in the end that said that this was right. the biggest undertaking that Disney has ever done because they made the entire movie during the pandemic. And so oh, wow. every piece of it was made from home of all these teams working together. That's nuts. Yeah, and that's put together crazy. what I think is one of the best in the new age of Disney. One of the best. Yeah, I got to watch done. it. One of my favorite. <laughs> Pixar movies lately, uh, well, since it came out, was Soul. Soul's good, yeah. That's just if you're a creative, like you should probably watch that. Uh, another <laughs> one that didn't get a lot of press because of when right. it came out was Ron's Gone Wrong. That's and good. That movie is freaking good, and it Wait, is it, real heavy at the end. But the the Soul one is that the one where like the guy is trying to, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, but he he passes away right after he finds out his like his love is gonna be famous and he's gonna go see her. That was an uh, excellent movie. Uh, if that's no. the one I'm thinking of, when, when no. he's going to, uh, he's a jazz musician. Yeah, it's a jazz he's, musician. He's about to finally make it, and then he dies. <laughs> so oh, he never mind. Dead. That's a different one. The one I'm thinking of, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Oh, it's called like, is it Coco? It's like it's got a little uh, little monkey that's like this guy's best friend, and uh, he's like, uh, yeah, I think okay, great, huh? Got Coco? <laughs> yeah, Coco's the one with the um, uh, Day of the Dead. Yeah. Nah, that's not that one either. What the heck is what I'm thinking of? It's gonna drive me nuts. It's such an excellent movie. It's uh, oh man. What's the name of it? Now I gotta look this up because it's gonna drive me nuts. Uh, it's gonna drive me nuts too. But but basically the the, the story starts off with a uh, you know this couple that are together and they're on this island uh, where everybody's always lived and she leaves to go become famous right before he told her he loved her right and it turns out. Uh, that she ends up making it big. She has this big thing. She's a, she's now old, like 60, 70 years old. And she sends him an invitation to come see her play at the place she always dreamed of playing. Is it animated like, or real? It's animated, yeah. And right and, and he and he's been on the island playing with a monkey that like, you know, uh, has a good time like playing Are music. Is, <laughs> no, it newer? is it newer or it's, older? It's relatively new, like last five years, I think. And mm-hmm. so um Basically, yeah, what ends up happening is he's about to leave to go, and he dies, and that's how the movie starts. And the whole thing is the monkey trying to bring a note to to uh, the love he never got to tell about. And, it, yeah, it's such a great movie, and I can't, I can't, I can't remember the name. Uh, I need to know now. Oh, my nuts. God. It's going gonna, it's gonna to drive me nuts because I, I love the movie. Um. But it's definitely one of those ones where it's great to watch ones. But kind of like, uh, did you ever see the Book of Eli? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah, like that one's one of those ones where it's excellent to watch, but you can't watch it a second time the same way. Right, right. Um, hey, what the heck is it? Is it monkey? That's music. I thought it was Coco, but you're right. That's the one with v- Vivo. There you go, V I V O. That's why it was two, another two syllable sound. V I V O. Yeah, it came out uh, 2021. Yeah, August. Oh. Absolutely incredible movie. Right. And, it was, and it's all about like this uh, little girl who finds the monkey because he's a monkey. He can't talk. And finds the, the note that he has. Uh, actually, I think it's a song. I think he wrote her a song. That's what it was. And they try to, they try to bring it all the way from their island all the way to America to just to uh, play it for her. Because he wanted to go there and play it for her. And then he dies right at the beginning uh. of the movie. 
So like it, it starts off like that's like it's kind of like up, you know what I mean? Like up starts off where you're like, oh my god, the poor old man. Yeah. And, and then the rest of it's like this adventure. So it, like that, that's kind of the vibes it gave me was uh, up, but in a different way. Hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. it's very cool. Yeah, Vivo. I'm, I'm I'm almost positive this was on Netflix, but yeah, it was excellent. Yeah, Sony Pictures. Yeah, it's probably on Netflix. I thought we don't talk about Netflix anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the rule? Actually got rid of Netflix, which is I gotta kind of get it again just for Stranger Things. <laughs> Crap! I have still not watched Stranger Things. I have it now in my list, so when I have free time, I'm gonna end up watching it. But like, I've heard it's amazing. If you like Supernatural, it's really good. I love Supernatural. I haven't seen like the last three seasons, but I've watched all the other ones multiple times. Uh, but yeah, it's like <laughs> they, they they just kept going. It's such a great series, but uh, I haven't had time. I really to... enjoyed season one. Um, I don't, after that, it was just kind of like, okay, that's cool. I, I just love the idea of being able to have a world where all of the supernatural things that uh, could have existed have a way of existing. Like, that's kind of a cool right. like, idea. And, and what I think I, I might like about what they're doing is they knew that probably their last season was, um, wasn't as much of a hit as they thought it would be. So now they're changing it up, and it looks like it's going to be a different kind of a mystery. Um, hmm. kind of has like an Amityville horror vibe to it. Ah, see, I, I have to catch up. Like I said, I'm, I'm like three seasons behind, but the, um, what, uh, the thing I liked about it was I remember looking into the mythology of, um, the Nordic mythology and the yeah. Greek and Roman mythologies. And it's very interesting because like, if you look at it, uh, in certain ways, there's like a way to make some of the people in them overlap. So like, uh, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I need to, I need to get that book. I've seen that before. Um, but yeah, basically, I love the idea that uh, what was it? Uh, who's? Oh, I haven't seen that one. God's monsters. That's a dope ass looking book too. This is uh yeah, it's, uh, something Aaron's working on. Who's who's the one in Norse mythology that made humans? Was was it Odin? Uh, no, I think it was it was before Odin. Yeah, it was some, somebody made somebody made humans in that. But basically, he has a similar story. To um, pot- to potentially being so no actually so wait someone else might have made them and maybe Zeus uh, I'm going back oh I'm trying to remember. damn it all, all I remember was that there's like a, a Prometheus in both there's somebody who gave something to the humans in both and was punished for it right uh, and so like it's interesting because if you, there's ways to make those stories overlap and there's certain things that can't overlap but I've always I've always wanted to be able to like tell a story that makes all of those things overlap. Because the uh, the God of War game is what got me going down that. The God of War 4. Have you oh, seen yeah. or played that? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't even have to play it. I just watched my brother play it. That is like a cinematic masterpiece. Like, that thing is incredible. And I found out one of the reasons why I loved it so much was... Uh, you ever watch Stargate? Of course. Teal'c from Stargate is the voice actor for uh, uh, Kratos. And the coolest thing about it is that I watched an interview later... And there's a scene where he's on his knees and he's crying while holding his old blades, knowing he must bring back the demon to, you know, in order to, you know, basically save, you know, save, save everything that he's built. And right. uh, it, I, I watched the scene in which he did that, and he was actually crying. And he said later in an interview, he goes, "I felt like that game was a love note to my children and an apology." And then they asked, what do you mean? And he goes, no, that's, that's it. Like, I, I don't want to talk anymore. Like he had to end the interview and I was like, holy shit. Like this was like, that meant the game meant like so much to him. It was like a, 
uh, a mythology of his life to uh, and an apology to his kid. Like I was like, that is such a crazy uh, way. To, like that's why he was so invested. That's why there's so much passion in the character in the game. But like the fact that he was, you know, from the Greek gods and then comes over into the Norse mythology, I always wondered like how that could really smoothly overlap. And there's like Tyr, the god of war, who is a peaceful god. And then there's the uh, Ares, the god of war, who's a violent god. And it's mm-hmm. interesting that there could have been this this moment where there's just warring gods, and that's why one mythology ends up winning. But yeah, I, I love that stuff. It's so cool. Yeah, that's that's like just historical stuff that um, I do a lot of studying into that. Um, just because I've always been fascinated by world religions and ancient religions. Um, yeah. Yeah, but to, to go to your your... Were you asking the creation of man? Yeah, from the Norse mythology. Man? Okay. Yes. All right. So specifically, man was Odin, Vili, and Ve. Yeah, it was Odin. Or Odin, Lodor, and Loki. Odin, Lodor. There's two different sides of uh, huh. debate, I guess, on that. Yeah, but either way, so because Zeus makes Zeus makes man and Odin makes man, right? And that was one of the big things. And then there's yeah. somebody I don't remember who the Prometheus is. In, well, there was, yeah, there was a god before, um, and that's kind of what triggered Odin and Ymir and, and all them. And it was, uh, I think it was Buri? 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 Yeah, B-U-R-I. Um, that was like the god that they became aware of. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, that's such a, I love that stuff. Because, like, honestly, and this is for, like, any creator out there, I think that if you study the ancient mythologies and then study psychology – you have the perfect combination to create excellent stories because all, all, every mythology is kind of like one of those perfect stories in the sense yep. like the Odyssey. The, the, the reason the Odyssey is so good is that it was specifically told by word of mouth over and over again. So what are you going to tell? The easiest part to remember. What's the easiest part? The coolest part, right? The yep. most interesting part. And so that becomes like this perfectly crafted story of adventures and all this stuff. And uh, have you ever seen Hercules with uh, The Rock? Uh, yeah, yeah, there were two that came out, and yeah, yeah I that the, the rock. I actually really liked the concept of that story a lot because yeah. it makes Hercules a potential real life person mm-hmm. that did slightly more than a normal man could do, not something that we would seem as unrealistic, but in the eyes of people that don't see it from his angle from a television camera, right? Like the people that are just watching him do crazy things, like right. like the uh, what was it? The the Hydra was these this crazy tribe people that wore. Uh, like alligator or reptile masks. Yeah. And if you killed one, a bunch more came out of the bushes. So it was like heads kept coming out. Like, I love that idea. Yeah. If you like take these old mythologies and then you tell them in a way that you can play on people's, uh, you know, mental, you know, states to make them go through these emotions. And that's where like the psychology comes in, understanding what makes them powerful and then use that for your own story. Like well, even stories like uh, the 300, you know, the, um, it comes from a historical story, and then even predating that would be the 300 that's back in the Old Testament with Gideon. And um, like seeing the way that they took that and were like, well, how do we make this more of a um, almost supernatural ish, but still grounded in reality? And then you get like, yeah. Miller that's like, well, let's make it weird. Um, it's the same thing. It's about every story that uh, people identify with has the hero's journey, which is a very set structure for a story. Um, so then when people ask me, well, if every story is the hero's journey, what do you do to make it cool? You just take one piece of the hero's journey and, and tweak it out or change it. Yes. And that's that, all you have to do. 
That, that's something I tell. So we work with artists like, like musicians here. And one of the things I tell every artist is that the reason why independent um, art, meaning comic books, film, movies typically suck is because they're like, I'm not going to follow any of the rules. Right. But the ones that are great are the ones that master the rules and go, yeah, but I'm going to break this one on purpose. And like that, like, I love that you said that. Cause like, that's exactly how I view great art. They follow all of the rules and they tweak it. And the reason that it's great is that's actually the key element to marketing familiarity yeah. in novelty. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's, that's kind of what inspired the story for uh, welcome to Everville was we wanted to do something different. And I, I had the idea um, for aliens, but I was like, well, okay, let me do a normal hero's journey. So we're going to explore this kid discovering aliens in, uh, in his school or whatever, killing kids. What can I do to just change it and make it weird? How about we think, <laughs> actually turn this into a Helsing story? So he's yeah. a man Helsing now. Okay, well, that's freaking different. I don't know anybody else that's like aliens were the vampires or whatever. Um, and so, and then at the end, we we're like, well, I could do one more twist. And, and that's when we do like the four-year time jump. Because you just take any element, change it a little bit, and it, com it completely changes the way that people look at the story. Because you, you have the stuff that you identify with and you're, you think you're going through the story normal. And then one thing happens and you're like, well, that just changes the whole vibe of this. That's just how I look at writing in general. It's more fun that way as a creator. Yeah. I, and I think like if I think that people try to make something so unique, but they don't understand that if it's too unique, I can't describe it to someone easily. So that means I'm not going to remember it. Like it's not a sticky idea. Yep. Like, you know, the, the, basically, um, you know, Star Trek, we have scientists in space, Star Wars, you have wizards in space, right? Like, right. you know what I mean? Like you should be able to say it like very dumb, but obviously it's a very in-depth plot line. Yeah. Right. And so like, you should be able to simplify those. In fact, uh, there's a, a book called building a story brand. That's all about doing that with your business, but it actually says, this is what they have to do in Hollywood. If you want to pitch a movie, you got to be like, yo, like there's wizards in space. You know what I mean? Like, well, that's interesting. Now tell me more. Right. Yeah, it's the, it's the Robert Kirkman pitch. Um, <laughs> it's like it's a zombie story about a family though. Or no, he didn't even say zombie. It's an alien invasion story about uh, a family. And then, you know, there are like six or eight issues in and they're like, where are the aliens? He's like, it's not, it's actually zombies. Um, like that's just the it's it's pitch it's just learning how to pitch stuff that's i remember going through uh that book building the story brand and um matt and i were both reading it at the same time and he would text me and be like he would pull a quote out of it and he was like dude why, why does this just sound like you wrote this <laughs> just like all his nerd references are all the nerd references that i use for everything yeah i think i think that um if i remember correctly donald miller like worked in entertainment or something like that and so he like he was one, one of the nerds and like yeah. he just figured out like He's definitely oh storytelling works in marketing too and it's like that's kind of what happened well i encourage people too like when they're building their business um that book is, you know, it's a few years old now. So no, I encourage people go, and it still holds its place, but I encourage people to go look at um, his newer discussions and things like that, because guess what? Things do change. Um, and you guys know, like, doing algorithms and stuff for, for marketing, everything changes kind of consistently. Yeah. Um, and he talks more about that now than he did back when that book came out. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, he actually released another book. I don't know yep. if you checked this one out. And there's one other one I haven't. I have the book, but I haven't read it yet. Um, but this one right here, like if you're looking to market, like it really is marketing made simple. It just walks you through all the steps to take. Yeah. Um, 
we're actually i'm actually literally attempting this on our own business right now i'm like going to be running through all of this we've already built landing pages according to the wireframe guides and stuff like it's 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 pretty cool like he he definitely has a way of um and because he's a storyteller he's a way of making these books easy to read as well they're interesting Mm -hmm. um even the building a story brand and uh, that's why I, I imagine the next one's also going to be just as good, but that one's just to focus on business and not the marketing side. Yeah. But um, the, the idea of the familiarity and novelty, and that's what like the that's the essence of a great story and the essence of great marketing right. is so powerful that even if that book's old, just understanding what it does, like what it means, like what he's trying to describe is so powerful because like I, I do hate when someone I, I'm like explain it simply and someone tries to tell me about their business or their idea or their comic or their song like whatever it is and they're like struggling to do it. and it's like you got to be able to narrow this pitch down like the elevator pitch cut that in half cut that in a third like you know it's got to be 10 seconds if I'm not interested I'm moving on there's 3,000 other creators in a 10 mile radius you know what I mean like right uh, you, you got to stand out like and so you got to do something and learn the, learning the basics learning the the structure of the hero's journey is like the definitely the first step uh, and what what things trigger people to want to know more i i know back um i don't even remember what it was at this point but i remember like when greg had posted something about like what's your pitch for your story or whatever and i had commented like a one word thing under it and still people would be like well, that's a good pitch. Like what, what, what do you, what else can you say about it? So I don't know. You got to go look it up. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's, that's true though. Like being able to stand out in as few words as possible, especially in this seven second attention you know, mind, uh, mindset that people are in now, like that's what you have to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's why people like, uh, our comic ink because it was only like 12. <laughs> <laughs> like, too long. Shorten that up. Yeah. <laughs> And they just want to know more. So I was just like, oh, well, good, because issue two is coming. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, I, I think consistency is fun. That's why I've really enjoyed getting into, um, you know, I, I, I've been working on the novel for forever, and someday I'll finish it. But um, then I was doing short stories, and then I started doing the flash fiction stuff. And, oh, my God, I love the flash fiction stuff. It is so much fun and entertainment. Um, and then I even brought that into like my sub stack where every Monday is like some prompt I had and I try to write as short as possible. And lately I've been able to keep consistent stories into like 250 words. And um, the best compliment I can ever get is the one that I got after uh, somebody had read Silhouette Shadow Games and they read Fire by Night because um, those are you know both novellas. And they were like, it was a great read. I just I'm going to take points away because it wasn't long enough and I wanted more. I was like, well, you just gave me the best compliment you could possibly give me. That was the entire point of a short story is that you wanted more of it. Um, and the fun for me is you're not getting more of it. It was a short story. It's done. <laughs> like Fire by Night, when I finish that, uh, it ends on a cliffhanger. But like, I'm not going to revisit that. I'm done with that. <laughs> Moved on. So I think the cool thing about that for creators is that by doing it that way, you can actually... Uh, you can create this fan fiction around your stuff because now other people want to finish the story yeah. uh, in their minds or whether they draw it up, like anything like that. Uh, it, yeah. it made me think of uh, the show Firefly, how like, you know, it got canceled after one season because of stupid executives and people wanted so much more. They were 
forced to make a movie because people are like, I'm going to burn this place to the ground if I don't get another episode. It was like the original crowdfunder was when that when that show got canceled. So many fans petitioned and they got they were able to pay and get that movie made by Universal. Um, yep. Yeah. So I, and even to this day, people are still begging for some sort of reboot. Um, outside of the comic books. But uh, I think that's yeah. a fantastic testament to uh, building a fandom off of not a lot of content. Yeah, well, that, that, and that's kind of like back to that, uh, the Cowboy Bebop I'd mentioned. I don't know if you've ever seen that or watched it through, but like it really is one of those ones where it's done and you're like, damn, I want more, but that was such a great ending. Like, yeah. like damn it. Like, you know, like, it's frustrating, and that's cool because you will remember that yeah. because of it. It's so, it's, you know, yeah. I well, love that yeah, idea. I mean, I I still talk about Firefly all the time. A one season show in a movie, so I yep. mean, it it did what I guess you would want something to do, um, even if you're the creator and you were like, oh, I had like six more seasons in me. Um, it's still cool that something that only made it that long was able to live on. Yeah, like it's like been memorialized and it it had such a short run, and then there's some yep. some stuff that has like forty seven seasons, and you're like, I don't remember season three. Well, we'll <laughs> even look at things like uh, uh, Veronica Mars, where the similar thing happened, and then they brought it back and did that short season, and nobody liked it. It's like, dude, you shouldn't have messed with it. It had its run, and uh, people loved it for what it was, and you try to bring something back like that, and it's not going to have the same magic that it had back then. Yeah, that, that's that's actually uh, that's actually even part of our pitch on our on our website now. It's like tired of these old rehash stories. Like it really is. Like there are still plenty of unique things to create. Like, it's about like, your I, voice. It's all yeah. about how you tell the stories because you guys are doing superhero stuff just like we are, and it's not an easy market. It is. It's actually an awful market and a very dumb idea to build a business off of superhero stories now. Hey. But, I'm doing the same thing, but uh, but if it's what you love, it's about what voice you give those characters and what voice you give that story. For us to to finally get around to getting issue four a tilt done, it's a huge feat for us that people are even still interested in it. Much more that we've seen it progressive, uh, progressively grow its fan base since the first one came out. I mean that that's what any creator should strive for and want. And um, just because it's a something that's maybe. Uh, overdone, which I don't agree with, or something that people are tired of, um, it, it's irrelevant if you're a creator giving a voice to something. Yeah, and I, and I don't think people are tired of it. I think people are tired of the old, same old one. Like, the fact that it's like, okay, we get it. It's, the, it's just like this character, but he's colored blue. Like, you know, like, yeah, like give, me, sure. give me a different story, different, like, I think the biggest problem is that the reason Spider-Man was the greatest comic book of all time in the sense that mm -hmm. he's like still like it's like the color blue it's everyone's favorite right. it, it's it's this idea that um he was a kid just like everybody else yep. that wanted to read this and so the story was a hundred percent relatable except for the superhero part so you can imagine yourself in that scenario right and, and i the endearing part is like if we're going to break down a character spider-man is so popular because of peter parker like you can't you can't split the two of them up and and have either one of them do as well because even when you try to switch it look at what they did with Ben Riley nobody connected with that crap i mean it's and it's been a trope throughout comic book history but peter parker is what made spider-man identifiable and relatable and i think any creator should still strive to do that with superhero stuff now and I don't see it too much in indie comics. They try to just go real hard on the superhero side of it, but they don't give any heart to the actual person behind the mask. Yeah. And I, and that's really, and that was, it's funny too, because I think that was 
uh, Stan Lee's whole thing when he was telling the story of Spider-Man was that the, the executive he was trying to pitch it to was like, nobody cares about a kid having problems. Like superheroes don't have real life problems. It's like, right. like that is the thing that makes it the I, most interesting. Right. That's, that's how I approach tilt. Tilt's not a story about a superhero. It's a story about Patrick. And just trying to figure out who the heck took him and, and all that. It's we see him outside of the suit more than we see him in the suit. Yeah. It's like, no, it's Patrick. <laughs> yeah. It's Patrick. He's trying to eat sandwiches. <laughs> That's actually no, one that... of your awards is a plushie. Yes, a sandwich plushie. Um, because we still get asked about that freaking panel every time we go somewhere. Don't you aren't you at like a Comic Con or whatever and someone's like well, it doesn't really make any sense that he's like on the wing of an airplane. Yeah, all the stuff in the sandwich would fly out. <laughs> but and like, the super like that's that's the unrealistic. No, part. he didn't yeah. mention that somebody was sitting on an airplane wing. He said that you know, going that speed, that all the stuff yeah. in the sandwich would fly out. He was also wearing a My Little Pony shirt, so I mean, that tells you all you need to know. <laughs> the, 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 the thing I love is like honestly, you can do that with every superhero. Like if, if Spider Man swung from a building and then caught someone, their neck would snap. You know what I mean? Like, or like they would any, not be able to change direction. Yeah, Superman ever in a movie. Everyone in the plane, dead. Like, just, like that's why, right. you, you ever seen The Boys? Yes. Yeah, like, excellent, because there were so many things there. Like, right in the beginning, uh, you know, the speedster, boom, right? Like, yes, that is what would happen. Like, the when uh, the, you know, Superman-esque character, they're like, can't you just catch the plane? It's like, on what? I have nothing to push off of. I'm flying. Right. Like, like, so it's, like, well, such an excellent thing. It was such a dumb, like, I was, I've honestly, that's the only time anyone's ever come up to the table and said something that I did not know what to say. And I was just, I just kind of stared, and Matt was just like, like Matt, I think wanted to throw something at him because it was such a dumb. And it, so I finally, I just looked at him and I was like, "So the the sandwich is the part that you just can't handle." Uh, like the dude flying up to sit on a plane wing, fine, but a sandwich was just where you were like, "I can't do this." He wasn't gonna buy yeah. anything anyway, so I was just like, "All right, man, I hope you know you have a good day. We'll be here you if you need you us." Don't have one pony in this comic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How dare we? <laughs> I just picture this guy. He's home, like he's crossing off the uh, the, the sandwich, just drawing the guy playing with a pony on it. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, he was at home that it. afternoon. and He was like, <laughs> "I messed that dude up." Yeah. <laughs> you gonna learn? He's turning on My Little Pony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, high five in the screen. <laughs> Y'all get me. <laughs> uh, um. <laughs> Family. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. uh. Uh, That's good. Disgusting. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> I haven't met cons in so long now. Yeah, was that like the last one? Is that why it's so ingrained? I really think it was one of the last ones we did. <laughs> the last one we did was uh, uh, Greenville Comic Con, where we got to do that panel, and um, it, the panel was fine. But the rest of the con was just like this is dumb and a waste of our time. Um, we say things that people don't like, and it's typically like I don't think cons are worth it. And I know that's like people are like, what do you mean? They're not worth it. Do the math. Just take your budget and uh, take however much you made during the con. Just subtract what you made, what you had to pay in hotels, and you probably are already in the hole. Not to mention gas or or traveling or any of that stuff. Um, I, I would say the, the the interesting thing about cons. Uh, I actually just met somebody. Uh, what would it have been Tuesday? What's today? Yeah, it was like Tuesday or something. I went to this networking event. I met this guy who makes something like twenty thousand dollars a month selling instrumentals beats. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And the interesting thing is that he has been on famous songs like uh, I'm on a boat, like T-Pain. I'm on a boat. Like he made the track. Right. So like this guy's a big guy and he's like, yeah, I'm a multi-platinum award, uh, you know, uh, producer. And he goes, but I don't have any of the plaques because it turns out you have to pay for them. Well, like, yeah. you have to, you have to, no, but here's the interesting thing. Like they're a few hundred bucks and I, I actually get it. Like there's no reason to get them other than to, you know, do this. But yeah. I said, no, you could use that as a marketing tool because you buy 12 of them because you earned them, put them behind you, selfie, right? That kind of thing. But like, you know, getting those professional photos, I would say that it's not a waste of time for cons, but if you go there expecting to make money, like probably not. Like, you're probably not going to go to a con and beat out Marvel and DC and Image and Dark Horse. You know, when it comes to earning capital. But if you wisely, like, you know, get enough footage, get, like you don't have to go to every single one of them. It's not like that amount of exposure is really going to help right. you. But being out there amongst the uh, the fandom and then getting photos and then making sure you actually share them, like some people just keep them on their phones, like put them on social media. But I do agree, like, if, you, if you're going to go to, like, four Comic-Cons in a weekend expecting to make money, and you're going to spend, like, $600, $700, $800 on that, if you just ran Facebook ads with that, like, that'd be more valuable. You're going to reach so yeah. many more people. So I, I, I agree that if you go there with the intention of making money, that is a waste of money. Yeah, uh, being, but if you being, go there with the being selective is probably what's more important than anything else, and yeah. knowing what area you're in. For our area, um, in North Carolina in particular, bad area to do cons unless you're going to like Heroes Con, um, yeah, because that one's so dedicated to comic books. Um, whereas all the other ones, they're just fandom events, and um, we'll be sitting across from famous Marvel DC writers, and guess who else doesn't have a line? So like, <laughs> it, it all comes down to what the area is into and what the shows are. Um, and that's why we've started getting a little more selective in the ones that we're looking at for uh, once we finally do go back, we'll probably be next year. Um, we might only do four in a year, if that. And it's going to be ones that we actually know are going to be more uh, geared toward comic books, like uh, Memphis Comic Expo is going to be one. Um, and then uh, Heroes Con, if we can slip in there at some point, would be great. But they're... You know, they're always packed and they're always paid ahead of time. Um, but for us, next year is a big year because we have um, our first trade coming out. And trades are where you can make that money at a con. What's a trade for all the fans out there? <laughs> uh, well, a trade is just a collection of. So for us, it'll be tilt one through four and turned into a trade. And then it's going to have two extra stories in the back that haven't been released. So. Nice. It's kind of cool. Like, that's really what. Um... You know, even musicians do that where it's like, you know, you'll release a, a couple of uh, singles and yep. then you release an EP or an album that has additional content. Well, <laughs> you know, you're in the in on the music side, you know, the the big conversation that had been going on for a long time was um, nobody's putting out regular albums for the most part anymore. They are focused on singles. And then once the singles all drop, then they're like, oh, put it together as an EP or put it together as a um, as an album. There's some bands that I listen to that have been around for years and they've never put out a full length album. That's yeah, that's awesome. And it's cool. Like that's, it, it works out better because so this is actually something that I think is kind of what destroyed a lot of the quality entertainment that was coming out back in like the nineties and two, uh, early two thousands is that essentially, and, and we've had great movies since then, but like, I think in quantity way less. Yes. And I think the main reason why is when you switch to something like a streaming platform and you can take an entire series and watch it in one day, how much of that do you think your brain can possibly remember? 
right? Like it yeah. takes you several years to learn how to speak as a baby, right? Like you don't just hear a bunch of words and you remember everything. You have to slowly get, you know, absorb it until it's, it's, it, it's just nature or, you know, you just know it now. And when it comes to these, uh, Netflix style uh, series where they release six six comic book issues right in one sitting, I can't fall in love with the character in one day, right? That, well, that's part of the familiarity. Look at some of the series though, like um, anything that's on Disney Plus, they're still doing weekly releases, and now a lot of the other companies are like, we should go back to doing that yep. because Mandalorian. Exactly. And, and uh, Moon Knight as well. It was a lot more of a conversation because people had to spend time with it. I just had the conversation on um, another podcast. We were talking about Doctor Strange, too. And, um, and I was talking. I'm not going to give you. I'm not going to give you spoilers, but I'm going to talk about a character. So uh, essentially, one of the most important characters in the movie is America Chavez. Well, if you don't know who she is you did not leave that movie feeling connected to that character. I don't care who you are unless you come from the same background. You, you just did not leave the theater being like, Oh, I really love that character. And I really identify with him. Think about the difference between that and watching a television show, something even like arrow where you spent years with this character and you developed a relationship with them, whether you end up liking the show in the end or not, you still spent more time with that kind of a character than you did on the ones making a lot more money in the movies. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly what I mean. Like, because I don't know people that rewatch, like they're, they're, they exist, but like, there's not a lot of people that rewatch a movie over and over and over again. Right. Normally well, like you, unless it's a Disney movie and you have kids. No, I, you know, I get that. I've I mean, watched like, Moana probably 200 plus times. Moana is a great movie. That's, that is the, I think not that's the 200 plus release. times. Yeah, not 200. I, I think that's like the, the female Hercules. Like the, it's the same uh, story arc. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like somebody feeling lost or they, I, that's a great one. I love Moana. Uh, but uh, yeah, not 200 times. I don't think I could watch that 200 times. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like it, that, that's, I, I really do think that with that in mind, that's why some of these Netflix style shows could be excellent uh, if they did the Mandalorian style release. And then the people who want to bulk watch it. And, and this is the reason why I actually thought about this. Let's say you're at work and you're around the water cooler. You watch one episode a week and I binge watch all of them the first day. I ruined the, like, so this actually happened to me with like Game of Thrones and this wasn't even, this was a weekly release. It just happened because I was like a week late. Somebody ruined the end of the first season for me. So I got two episodes into the second season. I already lost interest because like one of the things that was supposed to hook me was completely taken out from underneath me. And now picture that on mass scale because some people don't have 12 hours to kill yep. on the weekend yep. to watch an entire series. And some people do. So you have a bunch of people spoiling, uh, spoiling endings and you don't have anything to talk about when I watch the series four weeks later than you. So like now you're, you're talking, I'm talking about, yeah, did you see that thing? And it's like, Oh yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Well, it was like a month ago for you, and I just watched it. So like, there used to be like seven o'clock every Saturday. There's this new exactly. thing, or five o'clock on Fridays, and everyone in the world would be able to watch it at the same time. And that's been stripped away with the Netflix series. And so like, I, yeah, I love the concept of Netflix having everything in streaming platforms so I can watch it at eight instead of seven. But the idea is that I think that if we can start getting more Mandalorian style shows where it's once a week. And like, like that would just completely change the game back to 
creating a character you fall in love with. That's why Baby Yoda's fucking every like my my yeah. girlfriend's never even seen the show and she's got a Baby Yoda T-shirt because it's adorable. Think about like the uh, one of the things that we talked about, uh, Greg. I don't know if you listen to Beards and Comics. Um, that's back now. Um, but anyway, we were talking about uh, Doctor Strange and Matt's kind of takeaway from it. Um, which I really, I think is a good takeaway is he said, you know, has, has the landscape changed now that the quality of like the Marvel television shows are equal to, if not better than the films that they're putting out. Um, and you're spending more time with them than you're spending with the characters on film. And uh, he was like, you know what, I, my takeaway from uh, multiverse of madness was it felt like it could have been a six episode series and they stuffed it into a two hour movie. That I, I love that because you was funny. Like there's, I, I, I just listened to somebody like maybe a couple days ago, say the opposite of certain things where like some people take what could have been a great two hour movie and make it a six part, eight hour series. And then it sucks. Mm -hmm. But then some people try to take what could have been a great six part, one hour movie series or one hour series. Right. Uh, and make it like a two hour movie. And it, it's kind of brutal. Like, you know, you're like, Oh, like I'm trying that's, to follow that's everything that's happening. That's how I felt after uh, multiverse of madness is I felt like it could have been and should have been a series um, because they had too much going on. And by the end of it, when I left, I, it was pretty forgettable. Um, I know there's some people that are like, this is the best movie that Marvel's ever made. No. I like it. Well, no, like the forgettable because there's too much in one one sitting. There were too many things that they were trying to accomplish in a two hour film, and um, and then they threw in some real dumb stuff like a music fight for no reason. Um, <laughs> just because. Um, I'm sure yeah, I'll enjoy I mean, that when I see that. Though. That's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's rough. <laughs> that part's rough. But and and I can say um. How I felt about it, I think it was good, not great. I think, I think it, it was much, much better. I think it was like corny for certain parts, like the music fight thing. Just yeah, because, not trying to spoil anything, but because the director is Sam Raimi, exactly. So, like, which is kind of weird. Most people kind of knew that movie was going to have like a horror aspect to it, and the amount of kids that were sitting behind me kicking my seat, like it's because they did the PG thirteen though. Um, you know, I remember early on they had talked about it being a possibly rated R film, and honestly, it would have been better if they just went for it. Yeah, and this is coming from somebody that doesn't. I don't watch a lot of rated R stuff because it's just usually the content of the movie isn't stuff I care about. Um, but if that movie had been rated R, I probably would have enjoyed it, and they teetered as close as they possibly could yeah. to that line. And so I, when you have kids going to see it and the kids are just like, this is do you, do you crazy. Actually, they did the Deadpool and then the Christmas edition of Deadpool. How did they not see the success in that? That movie did almost as good. I feel like they will at some point do a, um, an unrated release or an R rated release of multiple. Like, they, sh they should do that for all of these though. Like they could literally make double like, or maybe like 50% more profit by cutting out scenes and like filming du duplicate scenes so they can make a slightly different version of the same plot line with yeah. less rated R that kids can watch. Well, this and then literally like parents could enjoy the crap out of it on their own and watch it with their kids. This one, I feel like they already filmed the the main part, and then they just CGI'd it back a little bit, or they zoomed in the camera further than to show the full whatever's happening, um, because it it pushed as close to the boundary as I think they would have been able to get away with, um, yeah. which is a testament in its own. But in the end, I think it actually came out lacking because of that. Uh, yeah, like 
after the movie was over, my friend that I went there with, Ryan, he's like, there was a lot of killing in the movie for a Marvel movie. Which was great. Because... <laughs> yeah, there was. <laughs> that was I'll great. My about it. My favorite thing about <laughs> my it. My favorite thing, the murder. Be the Scarlet Witch. Um, that's all I really could ask yeah. for. But in the end, it ended up making the movie feel like it was the the rest of WandaVision. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then I said to my, because my girlfriend doesn't like horror movies and stuff, and uh, I was like, you would have probably got scared by some of the things, because I watch horror movies all the time, and nothing really gets me. The only thing that ever gets me is the the one, like, 10-second scene in, like, The Exorcist, when, like, the demon pops up real quick, does that, and then after I watched that one time, for a whole week, I was opening the fridge, and then, like, before the light comes on in the fridge, I saw, like, the face. I was like, what the fuck? But... So... But there is a scene that's like a jump scare. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The kids in the back are just like dead silent. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's because they're all watching. That's because they're watching PG-13 stuff that's teetering on the edge of rated R when they should have just made a PG-13 version of a rated R version. There was, there was a scene that would definitely scare her of like what the Scarlet Witch does. I can't say anything. Yeah, that, that's fine. You shouldn't say it. It's too new anyways. You can't have a spoil, spoil too. Uh, people are already spoiling can't. it. We did, we did a whole episode on our thoughts on it, but we said there's a spoiler. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You can't just randomly I'm spoil it. Be well, I'm not going to spoil it because Dylan it probably hasn't even seen like the last season of Daredevil or something. So I don't think I finished the last season of Daredevil. Oh. Yeah, I, I, Honestly, it sucks. I was actually about to start catching up on those right after, right after they moved them over to Disney. I mean, I'm, I've been going through, like, I'm going through Burn Notice again. That's um, such a great fucking show. I was just talking about that, like, like three days ago. Like, the idea that you can basically tell someone how to be a spy in a show. I'm like, there needs to be a book about that with just the stuff that he talks about in that show. And if it well, doesn't realize, exist... Uh, the reason that it was so good was because they had the consultant was uh, an ex-CIA spy. And he's yeah. one of the main guys that helped with the show. Also, my favorite part of um, Multiverse of Madness was, of course, the Bruce Campbell cameo. cameo <laughs> cameos in all of Sam Raimi's stuff. And I was like... Everybody's gonna be like, "Oh, Evil Dead, man, Bruce Campbell," and I'm over here like, "No, nah, Burn Notice, Bruce Campbell." <laughs> That's fucking awesome. If you didn't know, Burn Notice was one of the huge inspirations on One Last Job. Um, oh, that's cool. It, it's yeah, man. Yeah, and, no, Burn, they yeah. got to run it the way they wanted to run it, and they were allowed to end it the way that they wanted to end it, knowing they were going to end it that way from the beginning. To get a series that actually got to do it the way they wanted to do it, the way the directors and writers wanted to do it. You don't see that much Dude, anymore. I'm actually trying to think about it. I know I've seen almost every episode of that show, but I actually don't know if I've seen the end of that show. You should watch it because it is, to this day... What's, what's it on? Series. It's on Hulu. Um, I might have to watch that through beginning to end. My favorite series ending ever is Burn Notice because of the Damn. justice that they give all the characters, the way they tie the entire thing up with a nice little bow because they knew they were getting the end it the way they wanted to. And that's you know, so awesome. Shows don't usually get to do that. Yeah, cause, Cause that like everything in that story was like super interesting. Like the whole time, like every individual episode was interesting. Every like minor story arc, yep. uh, multiple episodes was interesting. Every major story arc, 
overseas is interesting. Like, oh, it's such a good one of the ones that always stood out to me, and we haven't gotten to it yet. I, I'm watching it with somebody who's watching it for the first time, so they're digging it because we had finished Chuck, and then I was like, let's watch more spy stuff. Um, so I seen Chuck. What's Chuck about? That's, I, I can't remember if I've seen that. Chuck is about uh, a retail nerd that works at the Nerd Herd rather than the Geek Squad, and um, his friend was in the CIA and sends him a computer program that gets stuck in his head and so he becomes a cia asset um where he can look at somebody and he flashes and sees like their dossier of information so he helps stop um like a bunch of crimes and stuff Is that a show or a movie it was a show it was like five seasons i only watched like one episode so far but, oh, uh, it's so good! And the further you get into it, still on Prime. If you've ever fun. watched, re- or if you've ever worked in retail, the life that they give those retail workers is like I know these same people from <laughs> real life. Um, That's funny. Exactly. I think I think I might have watched a couple episodes. I think I just didn't get into it. Like it's not that I didn't like it. I think I just didn't continue watching it. Uh, when it, it looks really on television, I wasn't into it. But uh, a few years after it was done, I binged the whole thing and uh, fell in love with a bunch of those characters. There's a lot of um, depth to it and a lot of heart to it. And I wasn't used to seeing shows that did both. And because it was a it's a comedy, essentially. Um, but when they end those episodes on like a huge heartstring pull, it's like, wow, I'm not used to seeing this on a, on a comedic show. Um, and they have the huge overlying story arcs. So, yeah, we we moved from that right into Burn Notice because I'm just taking her through all my favorite shows. <laughs> um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I've never mm-hmm. watched the show. So. You never watched Burn Notice? Do you need to watch it just for ideas. Like, basically every single episode, he does something cool that is, like, something that involves being having been a spy. And then in the background, he narrates exactly what he's doing and what he is saying is real. Like he could, like oh, in that movie, you learn how to how to hotwire a car or the show. You learn how to hotwire a car. You learn how to uh, interact with uh, security cameras. Like he literally tells you how to do those things. Yeah. Yeah. Like like we were talking about. That's because they had a, a an ex CIA guy like giving this information like in real life for the for the uh, show, and it's so cool because like. Yeah, like honestly, I might watch it again and just keep a notepad and like just like write down all the stuff he's talking about. Again, I'm telling you, one last job is my it's my homage to James Bond. Um, I don't think I ever put Burn Notice on the things that inspired it because not not enough people know Burn Notice. Um, but to be honest, you know, I have Jason Bourne, um, I have uh, uh, Taken, all that stuff did influence One Last Job, but more than anything else, uh, Chuck and Burn Notice were the biggest influences. So now, Greg, if you go back and watch Burn Notice, you're going to be like, oh, Aaron. <laughs> and, dude, you'll like it. Like, it is an excellent, excellent show. Like, Very I well written. Yeah. I watched Goldeneye for the first time, like, a couple months ago, because um, I, I only played the game. So, so well, yeah. fantastic film. Um, <laughs> that's, that's good. Brosnan was like my dude because that was like when I was a little kid. Yeah, he's great, Mrs. Doubtfire. Great in Dante's Peak. What are you talking about? Uh, okay. <laughs> so, so for everybody who's you know stuck around, uh, you want to make sure that if you want to watch the rest of this incredible episode where we just crap on all of the your favorite comic book stuff, uh, you're gonna have to sign up over on CNOVAComics.com with Nova Nation, where we're going to talk about so much stuff that just pisses everybody off on purpose. That's that's what we're here for. We just want you all angry at us, and we want you to have to, to pay to see that. 
So, you know, <laughs> we want to, you should, you should sign up because you're like, oh, I just want to, I want to hate on these guys. And the only way I can do it is to get to that back end video. So that's what you're going to have to do. So uh, definitely, uh, Aaron, before, before we end this, tell everyone where they should go to check you out, what's coming up next and any other shout outs you want to do. Yeah, so uh, so people, you know, I write outside of comic books. If you want to check out uh, AaronDowan.substack.com, of which Greg is a subscriber. Um, yeah, I write other stuff. So every Monday I release a flash fiction story. Um, every Wednesday I release something that's more real life related stuff like, you know, what was your graduation day like? Or just dumb random stuff. And then every Friday, the public free post is about creators' mental health um, and things that uh, people should think about and work on and try to keep encouraged. Um, and then I do a podcast every Friday on there as well for subscribers where it's recapping and talking about all that. Um, outside of that, I still... Yes, still own and operate Catalyst Comic Studio. Um, one Last Job 2 is going to be dropping on the website on June 1st. And uh, Tilt 1 through 4, the entire first story arc, will be on Kickstarter on June 15th. Um, if you guys don't know where to follow me, you can follow me personally at Aaron Dowen on Twitter. Um, don't worry about following me on Instagram or Facebook. I don't really use it that much anymore. Um, and uh, Matt, hey, Matt's doing tattoos now. So he got back into that world. Uh, of which is his old world. So I guess he's rebirthed. Um, that was a deep blue joke. Um, anyway, so make sure you check out what Matt's doing and what he's up to. He's still doing the art for everything. Uh, Paradigm 2 is coming down the pipe, and then uh, Invasion of Everville will be coming down the pipe after that. Um, make sure you're following us everywhere. And Beards and Comics podcast is still a thing. We just brought it back from hiatus, where we're going to be talking about stuff like uh, Doctor Strange 2, which is what we talked about a little while ago. And we haven't talked about Batman yet because he hasn't even tried. Um, and <laughs> the last thing is the Dementophobia podcast. If you guys are fans of fan fiction, uh, sit down with us and listen to us read a fan fiction story to each other and laugh and make dumb jokes. That all is about to change. We did um, where I was reading it to Matt. But from here on out, we're going to have guest readers come on, pick a story, read it to us, and we'll react and have fun. Uh, we have done um, the first one was on My Little Pony. This last one was on Power Rangers Dino Thunder Neo. Uh, I believe, from what I have heard, that the next one is going to be someone reading us a Golden Girls fan fiction story. So uh, make sure you check out Dementophobia. You can follow it on Twitter at dementopod.com. Excellent. 